You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for coming back to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. Uh, Right now, it's going to be Dylan and I on the wavelengths tonight. Our brother Glenn is celebrating his birthday, so we got to give Glenn a happiest of birthdays. I hope you're having a good time, my man. Um, You know, today is your day, so whatever you're doing, I hope you're doing it well and enjoying the... uh, the festivities that your your family gives us and uh, <laughs> Dylan here here goes uh, this is why we pay Glenn the big bucks here I just dated tonight's show is one nineteen twenty twenty as if we couldn't get enough of that year here I am living in the past Oof. so you know right. we'll have to ask uh, Phil to help me out here and uh, get me back on on the same page as everyone else uh, but <laughs> here we are uh, we got a another week here of uh, Jets content that we're going to talk about. And it looks like uh, we finally got our head coach uh, in place. I wasn't able to join you guys last Friday, but you guys came in and did a special show because that's what we do here at Jet Nation. We cover everything that's going on with the Jets. And before we get into our talking points for the night, I want to give a shout-out to our social, um, our sponsor, Mile Social. Um, you can file, find them at M-I-L-E-S-O. S-O-C-I-A-L dot com. Um, If you're a company that's looking to improve your social media uh, platform and just don't have enough time to do the internet-based stuff, uh, Mile Social is your go-to plan. Um, These guys can help you in many aspects to get your company uh, name out to the masses. So if you are just looking to expand your horizons with your company, Mile Social is the way to go. So let's jump right into it. Um, I'm going to start off the night with my take on the hiring of Robert Sala. And, um, you know, everybody seems to be pretty excited uh, with the hiring. Um, I'll be honest with you, Dylan. Um, I've been a longtime Jet fan. Um, I've, I've sold my soul to this team, and I've given them my heart in so many different times. And, you know, as any other Jet fan, I've had my, my hopes and dreams, you know, crushed. So um, I'm learning from my past. Um, I am hopeful and I'm keeping an open mind with the, the new uh, direction that we're going with this team. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, this is still the 2-14 and 14 team that we saw last year. And nothing has changed until we start getting some new bodies in here, until we start getting um, our staff going. And, you know, we find out who's going to be, you know, coaching the team on the offensive side and the defensive side. And, um, you know, obviously we'll get a better idea of what kind of system uh, Coach Sal is looking to implement um, once, you know, they start getting into more football-related activity. So I'm very happy for the Jets. Uh, just glad that we finally got this thing figured out and done. 
Um, you know, two years ago, the Jets took a very, very long time, you know, air quoting, they're doing their diligence as far as getting, uh, you know, the, as many people as they can to sit down and interview. And, and a lot of good coaches were hired back in during the uh, 2018 uh, process, or I'm sorry, the 2019 process. So um, I'm kind of happy that we got one of the the top candidates, I guess, that were out there. Uh, So I'm I'm very happy that this team got their guy. Uh, But, you know, like I said, um, you know, this was just, you know, one chips down and we got a lot of other chips to put down here as far as going all in to making this team uh, a competitive uh, opponent for 2021. Um, You know, there's going to be a lot of good things. I think Sala brings to the table, uh, but of course, just like many fans, I have a lot of questions, but I think you have some answers for us, Dylan. Um, you put together this amazing uh, research Google spreadsheet that you shared with me today, and I learned a lot of things about our new head coach, so I'm not going to get into it. I'm going to let um, you dive right into it and, and tell everybody um, what, what's in store and what we can expect from our new head uh, head coach, Robert Sala. Sure, yeah, thanks. So <clears throat> uh, right off the top, I mean, the thing that stuck out to me the most with the, the signing was that it was a five-year agreement, which means that he is now in lockstep with Joe Douglas as far as contract terms. Joe Douglas was signed to a six-year agreement last year. So now he has five years remaining on his deal as well. So you like that kind of synchronization there. Um, and also you like the fact that it's the first Muslim head bell history. I think the Jets um, never shy away from taking a minority candidate. We saw with Todd Bowles. So it's great that they always like to go back to that, especially after having, you know, Adam Gase. Um, this is the complete opposite hire in terms of what he will bring to the team. He will gel with both the offense and the defensive side of the ball. Um, the scheme that he brings is uh, pretty different than what we have been accustomed to seeing. And we'll probably dive more into that once we get into the roster building portion of the off season with this, but yeah, the first step of the off season um, is complete. Joe Douglas was kind of looking at a, a plot of land, so to speak, and he had a blueprint with nothing written on it. So now that Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur as the offensive coordinator. Now that they've come in, they can write their names on the blueprint and they can go at it together. Um, But a little bit about uh, Rob Sala himself. He's 41 years old. He was Michigan born. Uh, He and his wife have six children together and they're expecting one more in April. So congratulations to coach. Uh, He actually turns 42 at the end of this month. So a happy early birthday to him as well. Um, He has, 15 years of experience in the NFL, which to me I thought was another positive when I was looking at the coaching candidates themselves. I was ranking them kind of, sort of speak. And I had Rob Sala up at the top of my list because I feel like everywhere he went in the 15 years of the NFL, he was with the the Seahawks, the Texans, the Jaguars, and the 49ers. And everywhere he went, they seemed to have success, whether that was, you know, Um, necessarily his doing, but I think he had a firm grip on what was going on in those defensive rooms. So he, he has a lot of knowledge to bring. Um, There's a actual story um, about his older brother that uh, came out 
he was going around on social media when he was first hired um, that his older brother was um, in World Trade Center 2 on 9-11 on the 61st floor. I believe he has a background in business similar to Robert. And uh, he managed to escape. Everything was okay. He was uninjured. But it made Robert have about an epiphany, so to speak, a change of heart. And he decided to pursue his dreams of football and, you know, put the suit and tie up in the closet and, you know, go grab a headset and get on the sidelines. So he became he began his coaching career in 2002. He was a defensive assistant at Michigan State for two seasons, and then he left to go to Central Michigan as a defensive assistant in 2004. Uh, he uh, met Matt Lafleur, who later is now the Green Bay Packers head coach. He met him there as an assistant, and actually later became his best man at the wedding. So that was really cool. Um, and then he left to become a Georgia defensive assistant in 05. And then at the end of the 05 season, at 26 years old, he finally got his crack in the NFL. He became a Texans defensive intern. Uh, I believe it was under Dom Capers, was the head coach at the time. And then when he was fired, uh, Gary Kubiak retained him and actually made him the defensive quality control coach. Another positive when you're looking at a head coaching candidate, it's somebody that was with a current coaching staff that coaching staff got fired and then, you know, the new coaching staff wants to keep you around. I think that says a lot about a person. So he became the defensive quality control coach there. And then afterward, uh, three seasons of that, he was promoted to the assistant linebackers coach. And then after that, he went to Seattle as the defensive quality control coach where he worked under Pete Carroll. Uh, they won Super Bowl 48 over the Broncos. And that's kind of where he learned the defensive, uh, the Seattle system, that 4-3 under the cover three schemes that we kind of saw with the 49ers when he was there as well. So after he won the Super Bowl with the Seahawks, he left with Gus Bradley to become the linebackers coach in Jacksonville with the Jaguars. And Gus Bradley actually just got hired as the new Raiders defensive coordinator. So that's pretty cool. Another coach that's in the cycle that he's familiar with. And then after three seasons of doing that, he left to become the defensive coordinator with the 49ers. And that's where he linked up with Kyle Shanahan and kind of made magic happen ever since. He won 2019 AP Assistant of the Year. And I think ever since then, it's been fireworks. And now the Jets hopefully can keep building on that magic that he's built up in, in all those different spots. And what he can bring to this team can hopefully be a new spark and a new, a new light of optimism for Jets fans to finally be happy. You mentioned it. You've been a fan for numerous years and you've poured so much time and effort into this team that to finally see a winning product would be great. We haven't seen it yet, but this looks like it could be the first step in the right direction. Man, that was just awesome. That all that information there, you know, I'm just going to recap <laughs> on just some of the, uh, the points you killed that man. Um, you know, Thank so you. what I'm looking at, um, you know, we've got a young coach that, like you said, 15 years of experience in the NFL. He's been with numerous teams and organizations. Um, you know, he started out in college and worked his way into the pros. Um, been on many different aspects on the defensive side as far as being, you know, an assistant coach to, um, you know, a positional coach, 
Um, you know, I love the, the little tidbit there that you put in as assistant award of the year in 2019. He was a part of a Super Bowl, um, you know, run. So he, he knows um, what it takes to, to win in the postseason, something that, you know, we, some, of these, some of these young kids today haven't even, don't even understand um, from what they've seen, um, you know, and, and for you young kids out there, um, you know, just hang, hang tight. Um, you know, we can't stay this bad forever is what I'm trying to say. And, and, and our turn will come soon and, and hopefully it'll be under this new, new head coach of Robert Sala. And, uh, you know, some of the names that you dropped there, Capers and Kubiak, Carroll, Bradley, Shanahan, all really, really, you know, great minds in the NFL. So, you know, these things, you know, details matters um, when it comes to this aspect of, you know, did we get the right guy and, you know, what can we expect? And, um, you know, I'll tell you right now, um, something that we talked about, I believe it was on last Thursday's episode that we did, um, we had talked about experience. Um, you know, Glenn really, really focused in on, you know, I'd rather have somebody that has done this before to come in here with the right plan uh, to do um, to do the job right. Now, the Jets went ahead and, you know, we're taking a gamble like we did a couple of years ago. Um, we did that with Todd Bowles, and, and, you know, prior to that, we've had some coaches in here that haven't had the, the, head, the head coaching position. Um, you know, clearly those things haven't worked out. Can't live and dwell in the past, but we learned from it. Uh, so, at, you know, from everything that, you know, you have brought into light on the situation here, it does seem that it, this, is, this was solid time. Um, you know, he's, he's gone through the ropes, and he's got, you know, 15 years of experience in the league. So that's got to, you know, something. And, you know, clearly with the process that the Jets went to, um, you know, bringing in Arthur Smith and, and, and a lot of other big names out there. And, um, you know, they took three interviews to finally get the deal done um, with Sala. So, you know, clearly he was a top candidate. There was a lot of interest in there. And, uh, you know, who knows, if they were hearing rumors about other teams looking to do um, to make him an offer. And it looks like the jets were like, we're not getting into uh, a bidding war or, you know, a uh, bachelor style, um, you know, competition uh, for, for Mr. Sala. So the jets got the deal done. Um, I'm definitely happy for them. You know, something that I've always, and now I want to talk about ball. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, I, you know, obviously I, I, I'm the nervous Nelly. I always got to you know, shoot it straight. You know, um, I think when everything's going too good, something, you know, is going to derail us here. Uh, so for me, looking at his history, there's definitely enough to say that this guy um, understands defense and he understands the game. I think he was a tight end um, when he played or something like that. And, um you know, but clearly he's a defensive guy. And we've had a coach like this in Todd Bowles before who was a coordinator. He came into the head coaching role. Clearly things didn't work out for him. Todd Bowles goes back into defensive coordinator role. And since he's been in Tampa, he's had one of the top run defenses and top defenses in the league. And he's doing interviews, I believe, um, this week for another head coaching job. I heard rumors for Philadelphia. So who knows, maybe Todd yep. Bowles gets another crack at the head coaching position here. But how do you feel? Do you are you concerned with his experience? Um, 
Do you think that since he's been a defensive coordinator for so long, is he going to take on both roles like Ace did, being the coach and the coordinator? Or do you think he's going to have somebody to run his system for him and he'll just mainly focus in on just, you know, being being the coach on Sundays and running the team? So when you ask him, am I worried, I want to say yes, no matter what the context of the question is surrounding the Jets, because that's what Jets fans do. We worry. We worry ourselves to death. So to put it bluntly, yes, I am worried, but not for all the reasons that necessarily we have needed to be worried about in the past. I think all the things that we've seen or heard come out about Rob Salas since the hiring, whether it's Peter Schrager or clips of his coaching staff philosophies or Kyle Shanahan talking him up to the media, I think everything that we've seen at the surface level with him is very positive. He's inside the offensive meeting rooms with Kyle, going one-on-one with him, just going back and forth with the game plans, trying to really get a, a grasp on what each offense is going to try to do to his defense and vice versa. So I think he has a great football mind. I don't want to say he has solely a defensive mind, but yes, he's worked mostly, if not all, on defense. So it's hard to say that he will have this high-powered offense coming in. We don't know what Mike LaFleur will do necessarily, but I, I think we shouldn't be worried necessarily that he can't gel with the players both on offense and defense. I think if he can do that, even at the minimum level, get, you know, get in with Sam Darnold or whoever the quarterback is going to be and really have a good relationship with them man-to-man, not necessarily X's and O's, I think that will go a longer way than if he tries to do a little too much of both. Yep, I'm with you on that one here. I mean, I am a little uh, worried. Uh, I've already said that, um, mainly because mm-hmm. uh, we're bringing in a defensive mind. And, mm-hmm. you know, up until last year, which was really seems like a fluke, um, you know, we didn't have too much turnover, but a lot of injuries happened on the defensive side. So, you know, there were changes here and there from week to week and, you know, new bodies were coming into the fold. So I understand why the Jets struggled um, defensively last year. Um, But, you know, we were the 32nd ranked offense. Um, You know, we could not run the ball. We could not throw the ball. Um, We had multiple games, last year where, you know, we couldn't even put up 10 points on the board. So, you know, my, my concerns come, you know, are we going to be a team that's going to potentially work ourselves into, you know, the top 15 or possibly, you know, be projected into the top 10 if everything works out, you know, po- you know positively for this team and still be a bottom-tier offense. That's my major concern here because – looking at a lot of the teams that have had success in this league. And it really, really seems like, you know, if you can't develop or create, you know, that, uh, that Chicago bear style defense or the steel curtain to quote some, some great hall of fame teams, um, you're going to need an offense compete with players like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, and and now Josh Allen, you know, the top four quarterbacks left um, in the league, and 
before we end up the show tonight, I'd like to, you know, get your, your picks for, for the upcoming um, weekend's games here, Dylan. But, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of these teams, they have firepower on offense and even on days when the defense doesn't show up um, to quote, you know, my, but here comes my nerdness, the uh, great Wolverine, you know, sometimes the best defense (laughs) is a better offense. So, uh, you know, really, really bad reference there. Sorry, folks. But, um, you know, that's the (laughs) truth. I mean, if you can't stop Pat Mahomes, how do you compete with him? You have to go score for score. You have to be able to put the points on the board to be in, you know, what you need is you need your defense to show up in the final few minutes to stop that juggernaut offense. You know, as long as you can compete and continue to put points on the board as the game goes along, get yourself within arm's reach at the end and hope your defense shows up and hope you got a good defensive coordinator to call the right plays so that you can close out the game. So the, the Jets have had this whole mind frame since I've been a fan, you know, defense wins championships. Well, mm-hmm. I do not recall us winning any championships with this motto. So when are the Jets going to take that offensive uh, you know, when are they going to trend in the offensive manner like so many other teams have had? Um, because, you know, I'm still looking at this offense thinking, wow, we got a lot of work to do here. Um, you know, oh, yeah. obviously we got to figure out things with the quarterback position, and that's something that we're going to segue into in a few minutes. But, you know, that's where my head's at. I'm very intrigued with Mike LaFleur. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of really, really good players on that San Francisco offense. Um, you know, this year was a bad year for them. You know, Debo Samuel was injured for most of the year. Same thing with Kittle. They were constantly rotating backs that were not healthy. They had problems at quarterback with their, you know, um, switching guys in the lineup there. So, you know, clearly things didn't work out for them on that side of the ball. So that really makes a lot of sense why, you know, they went from being a Super Bowl contender to now, you know, one of the bottom tier teams, um, you know, record-wise. So, um, this is why, you know, I'm keeping my mind open and I'm not setting any expectations or I'm not going to put, raise the bar too high because there's so much work that still needs to be done for this organization and this team in the front office, on the roster, and then, you mm-hmm. know, going forward with whatever Sala's plan is. Um, but I, you know what, I've been saying this for years, Dylan. I really think that the Jets needed to convert to a 4-3 defense, and I think that that's the staple of Robert Sala. Now, knowing with the players that we have, we're anticipating C.J. Mosley to come back. Do you think that the 4-3 defense is going to be the best thing for us to to get back to where we were and being a top-tier defense in that scheme? Well, I think in terms of 4-3 or 3-4, mostly I think a lot more teams are running 4-3 than 3-4 on a surface level. Um, at least last year it looked like it, but a lot of teams, they just run their nickel package, whether that's, you know, three, three, five with three linemen and three, you know, linebacker types and then five defensive backs, or if they just have four down linemen, two linebackers, and then five in the back. Um, but I don't think either one is necessarily the, the key to success with the Jets defense, but I do think it will unlock a lot more, potential in some of the players like Quinn and Williams and Jonathan Franklin Myers. So in a way, I think it is a positive step. I just think that the back end of the defense is going to be the more important part 
of the <clears throat> of the overall scheme with Robert Sala because he's going to need physical, speedy corners that will get up in your face and you know have a lot of ball skills. So um, I think the secondary is the the bigger concern with the scheme more so than up front, but no, I agree that the four three can definitely unlock a lot of players up front. Right. Cause you know, I think about what, what is our strength? And if we were to just say like right now, what position group is the pressure. strongest on this team? I, I you yeah. got to say the defensive line with Quinn and Williams, Paul Aranzo Fadakasi, John Franklin mm-hmm. Myers, you know, Shepard Phillips you coming know, on. Yeah, right. You know, he came late to the party last year, but when he got more snaps at the end of the season, he he was making his name, um, you know, present. And, you know, I think about the rotation that they have here. You know, we missed out on Kyle Phillips last year. He's still on, you know, under contract. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these other young guys um, are are on, you know, rookie deals still. You know, yep, we got Huff, we have Zuniga. Phillips will be back in the fold. I think so, Zuniga is another not, one to watch in this scheme as well. I think a lot of people that, sorry to cut you off, but I think a lot of people no. were very underwhelmed with what they saw from Zuniga. So I think this scheme will actually fit him personally a lot better than what we ran last, last year. I think you'll see a lot more of his hand in the dirt, trying to get power on the edge more so than standing up because standing up for him last year didn't really seem to work. So I think Zuniga is another one to watch in this defense as well. You're right. Yeah, and, and that's a great point because, you know, that's where I feel, um, you know, last year, um, I want to say it was Scott Howard. Um, he's a uh, – I think he covers the Gators, and, you know, we always seem to be drafting Florida Gators, so we always invite him on after the draft. And, you know, that was his mm-hmm. thing. He says that he sees Zuniga as a guy that, you know, should be a defensive end in a 4-3 scheme with his hand in the dirt. Um, we know Greg Williams requires a lot mentally um, with his defense. Mm-hmm. You got to know what the packages are, the sub packages. You got to know when adjustments are made, what your role is from dropping back into a zone to blitzing to run support, all those things. Some of these kids need to think less, get their hand in the dirt, and play ball. And that might be the best thing for Zuniga to do. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know. I'm I'm definitely intrigued to see, you know, what he's going to do with players like Quinn and Williams. Um, you know, will Bryce Hall end up being a guy that, that flourishes? We saw some flashes from him last year, some good things. Um, you know, the safety position, which we'll get, you know, into deeper later on. Um, you know, will Marcus May be in the fold here? A um, lot of questions uh, with certain players. Uh, you know, Terrell Basham is now going to be, an unrestricted free agent. Is that somebody that the Jets are going to look, look to bring back or are they going to let him walk and test free agency? Um, so, you know, there's a lot of panning out to do, you know, hopefully CJ Mosley will join us this year. Um, Cause Lord knows we would love mm-hmm. to have him. Um, you know, being that, that middle linebacker that, you know, that Mike role um, really, really need, you know, somebody to come in here and, and kind of get us back on the right page and hopefully Mosley is that guy. Um, so we've talked a little bit about the defense, and we talked about the coach, and I know you and Glenn went deep into this last Friday. So what I'd like to do is I want to transition, and, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about some of these rumors that have been circulating around the NFL, um, somebody that we touched upon last Thursday, 
And um, I'm going to pull it up right now. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah had a trade, um, a, a probable trade that he thought would be fair um, with the Jets. And I'm not finding it. Hold on one second. Oh, for the Deshaun Watson trade package. For yes, for the Deshaun Watson yes. trade. That's where yep. I'm going with it. Yep. Um, and I think a so lot I'm of Jets fans. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I think a lot of Jets fans when when they saw people like Schefter and Jeremiah tweeting that the Jets have the most ammo to go get Deshaun Watson. I think some of those some of those fans that are like you and I that want Deshaun Watson, you know, their ears perked up and really think that the Jets have, you know, something that they can offer here. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it seems like, you know, and someone put this the other day, if the Jets find a way to turn Jamal Adams into a Deshaun Watson, um, oh, yeah. you know, you might as well start making the statue for Joe Douglas right now. Absolutely. Um, which is pretty, yeah. which is pretty comical. Um, you know, it's just one of those weird things. And I get, you know, when I first heard about it, I was like, Oh, I don't know. You know, if it, if it took all that, that draft capital and a player for, uh, Jamal Adams, you know, what in the world would it cost to get an all pro quarterback who led the league in yards last year, um, and has one of the highest QBRs, you know, in the NFL, um, just, does the job, you know, unfortunately his supporting cast around him is trash. And, and that's why Houston has not been as successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was saying that, you know, we could keep our Seattle pick this year, give up our number two, give up Seattle's pick next year. And then the jets pick in 2023. So it's going to take at least three ones, maybe something in the middle on day two. And and I even heard people say throw Darnold in just for you know for fun. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is: Is that enough to to make the deal? Um, is Houston going to be that desperate because they've just created such a bad scenario that that would be something that they would would entertain? Or do you think it's going to take even more draft capital to get a player like him? From everything I have read and been keeping up on and. I feel like um, Jake Gyllenhaal and Nightcrawler, you know, the photography movie. I feel like I'm that guy when it comes to the <laughs> Deshaun Watson trade. Like I'm always right on top of everything. I want to be right there, not to the aspect he was, but anyway. And I saw a, tw- a tweet thread from Lance Zerloin that was describing the whole situation. And right now it looks like it's either owner Cal McNair or Deshaun Watson. And I think, I, nobody is quite sure how it got to this point. Obviously the hiring of their GM, Nick Casario has been involved in that and he doesn't really approve of everything that's been going on in Houston before this, as it's been. So at this point, if it's a situation where he's saying it's either him or the owner, I think Houston is in no position to try to create a bidding war for Deshaun Watson. I think they'll, they'll try that as best they can, but ultimately as these reports keep coming out, I'm not sure that it will even cost all of this. And I don't want to say that just to get people excited or whatever, but if Deshaun Watson wants out and nobody is offering three first round picks, maybe two or one, a second and a player, I think they might have to entertain those low ball offers because 
of how upset that this situation has gotten Deshaun Watson. And quite frankly, it's crazy because they have a GM or a coaching spot opened and you would think this would be a top 10 top 15 job easily just because you have a player like Deshaun Watson who's so great in his community he's an X's and O's genius when it comes down to it he's always breaking down plays to reporters after the games they would want to hold on to this guy so like the fact that it's now the least desirable job in the league from many people have been speculating that's a terrible turn of events for them so I mean if the Jets can take advantage, by all means, let's do it. I don't want to get anybody excited, but it might not take all the whole farm, as they say, to go get Deshaun Watson. Right. And, and I think, you know, right now um, a lot of people are just kind of having fun with, you know, throwing around scenarios, you know, we'll package this deal. And, you know, I guess that's kind of fun for certain people here. Um, you, you don't know what, kind of compensation a player can get until you, you know, you, you see it in writing and then you look at it and, you know, your eyes widen a little bit and you're like, wow, you know, this is a lot of collateral here that we're putting out. Um, but when you're talking all pro and you're talking about, you know, a, a guy that just clearly understands the game, you know, and is ahead of the curve, um, you know, for some quarterbacks. Cause I remember going through the draft process, you know, people were concerned about him being a mobile quarterback, injury prone and things like that. And it kind of seems that like this whole narrative of mobile quarterbacks being more of a liability or a, um, uh, a risk factor. Right. Yeah. Seems to be getting that less the narrative. Less, you yep. know, cause if now you look it's at like the you need a minimum are, threshold of athleticism. You almost need your quarterback exactly. to be able to produce at a, a minimum level of athleticism to even be able to compete on offense anymore. The the days of standing alone in the pocket like Tom Brady or Drew Brees just aren't there anymore. Offenses aren't designed that way. Defenses are designed to get you out and on your feet and outside the numbers. So it's a whole new game, and I think – yeah, I think you need the more athletic guy moving forward as opposed to the traditional pocket passer. Right. You know, as, you know, we, we see these uh, specimens coming out um, like Bosa and Miles Garrett. And, um, you know, now we're going to have, I guess, the new top edge guys, Rose or whatever his name is down in, in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yep. you know, these guys are getting bigger and stronger and faster and, uh, you know, more deadly coming off that, that corner and, you know, having the old statue like the Grandpa Bowl this weekend of Brady versus Breeze. You know, <laughs> we love the names. We love these guys, you know, for, you know, well, not maybe not Brady, but, um, <laughs> you know, what they've brought into the game. But you could you mm-hmm. can kind of see how Bree struggled, um, you know, throughout the last couple of years. And, you know, upstairs, you know, there there's no better quarterback mentally probably than Drew Brees in the game, but just, you know, the physicality of the sport, you know, has changed. And a guy like him, you know, is being phased out due to his, you know, Immobility. So, yeah, um, we've got about we're just under ten minutes here left for the show. So we're going to start transitioning um, into a lighter topic, and then we're going to give our picks for this upcoming week's championship um, NFC and AFC games. Um, and one topic, one thing that I almost forgot to mention was that we recently signed um, a new wide receivers coach 
And that was something that I was concerned about because um, I really liked having Heinz Ward in the mix. Now, nothing mm-hmm. is said whether or not if he'll come in as an assistant or not. But right now we have Miles Austin, a Jersey guy um, from a team that I used to play when I was in high school, Garfield High School. Um, so he's a local guy. He's a Jersey guy. Um, you know, apparently brings a lot um, to the table with his experience having played and being, you know, a, pretty much a younger coach. So maybe his, you know, we'll have a greater connection with, with some of our, our guys in house. Um, Dylan, mm-hmm. excited or um, kind of meh with the scenario here? Just another guy. Um, what are your thoughts? I on think, <clears throat> I think overall <clears throat> my feelings are kind of, neutral on all the hires that we've heard rumored or any of the names that have come down that may have been confirmed or not. We're not exactly sure. We'll probably hear more on Thursday when uh, Robert Solid does his press conference, but miles Austin, I mean, as a player, I, I never minded his game. I thought he had a, you know, a few too many drops, but that's neither here nor there. But I think he's exactly what you said. He's a younger type of coach that will come in and be able to create better relationships with the players. And I think, I think the Jets kind of are in that uh, repair mode where they need to repair relationships before they can even repair the the fundamental football play that they put out there every Sunday. So Miles Austin is younger. He was the offensive quality control coach with uh, Mike LaFleur. So there's a little bit of continuity there. Another one plucked from the San Francisco scouting or uh, coaching tree. So, I mean, Overall, I'm not really too high or low on it. I think he'll bring something different than Sean Jefferson. I also liked Sean Jefferson as well as Heinz Ward, so it sucks to see them go. But I think everything kind of needed to be stripped down at this point. So new life, you know, again, new hope. <clears throat> yep. Um, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued um, to see what he can bring. Um, you know, we've got – some young wide receivers, not a lot that we can really brag about. You know, Denzel Mims was a guy that was, you know, mainly injured last year, and we didn't really get to see too much of him. But when he did make plays, um, you know, just the jaw-dropping catches near the sideline, and um, you mm-hmm. can see the way that he has that those long strides that he has that, that gives him the ability to separate um, from defenders. So, you know, hopefully Miles Austin is the guy that can take a player like Denzel Mims um, and, and put him into that, that number one rece- receiver category. I really see Mims as a strong two, but there's always potential, you know, yep. uh, untapped potential, as they say. And that's where oh, I'm oh, kind yeah. of I'm hoping that that happens with Mims. And um, we're going to be getting, you know, some more new new coaches and faces mentioned, I'm sure, as the weeks go by and, you know, we'll do our research and do our diligence here at Jet Nation to bring you guys, you know, as much as we can on um, where these guys have come from and, you know, what are they going to bring to the table? Um, you know, what can we expect as far as, you know, scheme? And, you know, is a Mike LaFleur going to, you know, rejuvenate Chris Herndon's career and put him into a George Kittle role? And, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, we're reaching here and we're, we're speculating, but obviously – the, the idea of Chris Herndon, <laughs> you know, doing things that exactly. George Kittle can do. I'm, who wouldn't want to see that, right? Um, of I course. think that would be the, the, the end game and the goal here is to see all of these young young guys, um, you know, reach their max potential. So that's what we have to look forward to. 
Um, you know, we got to trust the system. We got to trust the process with what the front office is doing here. And, you know, we, we, we they made a bad decision with the last coach. Um, I'll be honest with you. I really liked his staff. Um, you know, I know a lot of people don't like Parts Adam of it were, yeah. And, yeah. You know, he brought in some really, really good players. I mean, um, I mean, uh, you know, some coaches here, um, you know, bring, you know, bringing yeah. on Heinz Ward and, you know, Frank Pollock, even though things didn't work out with our group. Yeah. Um, yep. I was you know, he's still spoken yep. as a great offensive line um, coach. Um, so, and he, I believe he already you know, has a regardless. job. It's not like he, he didn't wait very long to get a job. He already got hired somewhere. I don't know if it's NFL or college ranks, but he already got hired oh, somewhere. Yeah. Yep. It, you know, these guys, it, you know, when you've shown, you know, that you can, um, you know, elevate teams and, and, you know, what he did when he was in Cincinnati, um, you know, with Joe Mixon back there, obviously he's a great talent. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, and Cincinnati that's he obviously has had a lot of problems. Too. Yep. So, you know, there you go. He goes back to where, um, you know, where things work best for him. Um, so good luck to him um, with everything that he's got going on here. Mm-hmm. Well, we got about three minutes left here for the night. Um, again, right. Glenn, um, I hope you're having a great birthday, and we look forward Absolutely. to linking up with you next week. Hopefully we have some more Jets content to talk about. Um, but let's get into these picks for championship weekend here. So we've got a our competitor in uh, Josh Allen from the AFC East going up against Maybe Patrick Mahomes. A little alarming how he got knocked out of the game last week. Yeah, clearly if he's scary. unable to play. That, I mean, could you imagine seeing the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl? Good lord, you know we thought we got rid of one problem with Brady, and then here comes Josh Allen. Um, you know, yep. you know, taking taking the conference by storm. So um, let's start with the AFC. Um, you know, just like I said, it if Mahomes is in that game. I got to go with Kansas City. Um, clearly going with Buffalo yep. if he's out. So that's my pick on that. Who yep. you got for the AFC Championship game? I, I agree 100%. If Mahomes is playing, I got to roll with him. I mean, there's no no one better at this point. Maybe Josh Allen can can be better than him next year if he proves another season. But I'm going to go with Mahomes if the if uh, if he's playing and the Chiefs. But if not, yeah, I would say Josh Allen for sure. If the, he got to go against Chad Henney. Yeah, and I don't know how I feel about that. You know, obviously, we can make the excuse, well, you know, we went up against a Super Bowl contender, you know, twice last year. That's why we didn't do well, which is a lame excuse, but it is the truth. Um, (laughs) we got two minutes left here. And Packers versus Tampa Tom. Who do you got? I'm going with with Aaron Rodgers. Um, I got it. He's been playing hot. That team looks really good. Um, but yeah, Tampa Tom's got to lose. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Rodgers is uh, the MVP of the season for me. Um, so I'm going to have to roll with Green Bay. I don't want to see Tom Brady in yet another Super Bowl. I think that'll be very boring for the fans. The league would probably love it and go crazy for it. But I don't, especially being in Tampa Bay, the Super Bowl. But I got to go with the Packers. And uh, I'll say this to the NFL players real quick. If you leave Aaron Rodgers off the top 100 list again, he will continue to win MVP. So put that man on the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, you know, I forgot about that. That's a good point that you brought that there. You know, Third who the heck is creating now. that list? They got to go back to the drawing yep. board there. 
Yep. But um, Dylan, um, another good show. This was a little bit shorter this week, but we got it done. Um, you know, thank you to uh, to Jet Nation and everybody that follows us. I've been getting new follows left and right. I'll try to get everybody, yep. you know, a refollow. Um, and um, yeah, so everybody enjoy this weekend. Um, you know, hopefully the games are exciting and fun, and and we'll see what the Jets do, and and we'll see what they bring. Uh, you know, for us to talk about next week. Hopefully we have some exciting things to talk about. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!